You left, but the abuse continued. You thought the hard part was behind you when you left, but if you're like the survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse I've worked with over the past 13 years, after leaving, it got worse. And if you have kids, you may be facing this continued abuse until your children leave the nest. If you left a narcissistic and abusive partner and want to learn strategies to navigate this new landscape of post-separation abuse so that you never feel caught off guard again, this free virtual summit is for you. Get actionable tips and advice from seven of the leading industry experts on how to parallel parent without experiencing negative consequences in the family court system, how to leverage the current research during your family court case, the best ways to communicate with your high-conflict co-parent to protect yourself and your children, how to regulate your nervous system when you're triggered, and so much more. Then go to the link to register in the show notes and register so that you know what to expect and that you can be prepared to do what's necessary to protect you and your children in the future. Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. Welcome to today's episode of the Rising Beyond podcast. I'm Sybil Cummin, and I wanted to share my expertise in a little bit different arena than I typically do on this podcast. And it really fits the majority of questions or concerns that I get from my clients or the members of my community is really around how do I help protect my children? How do I build their resilience? How can they be okay as we are going through this process, maybe the court process, maybe the separation and leaving, maybe they don't want to go to their other parent's house and they're fearful. There's a lot that can come with this transition of leaving an abusive relationship and a lot that can come from the trauma of them witnessing abuse. So I really wanted to give you some tangible tools and things that you can do with your children on a daily basis to really help them build their resilience and heal. And so it is possible that your child might need a therapist as well, which that's a whole nother topic about getting your child therapy and how to get consent from your co-parent and all of that. But I really wanted to share some things you can do at home with your kids to help build their resilience. Because guess what? You're their safe person. And if they don't have a therapist or a school counselor or someone in their life that is that is playing that role of um, helping them heal, you can do amazing things to help your children heal. And so I want you to find the value and power that you can do that. So I was originally trained 
as a play therapist, as a child therapist. I had no intention of working with divorce or domestic violence, really. I had no intention of working with adults at all, except with giving kind of recommendations or working with them to support their children. And clearly, my life has gone a little bit different direction based on my experiences in working with children. And so I love to be able to bring that knowledge of really knowing about child development and um, healing from trauma from a child's perspective and parenting and all of the things to this arena because it can help you help the people that is your why, right? So often children are your why. So what can you do to really ensure resiliency for your kids? Now, the first thing, if you take one thing from this episode, it is on the focus of connection and attachment. Connection is key to all the things. If you want your child when they're older to come to you when they have problems, you focus on connection. If you want to feel joy with your child, you focus on connection. If you want them to actually listen to you, you focus on connection, right? And so connection is really underlying your entire relationship with your child, which if you think about their relationship with the other parent, if it is not good or they don't feel close or safe to the other parent, it is because they do not have that safe, secure attachment connection So you may already be doing the things and meeting your child's needs to build some connection, but I want to give you the opportunity to take it even a step further and discuss how you can give your child more safety and connection through play. Yes, we are going to talk about how to play. And you know, what's interesting is I never knew that I was kind of this oddball parent that gets deep into imaginary play. And I do all the voices and I change the way I look and the way I move and do all the things within imaginary play until I started going to like play dates or I joined a mom's group in my area when my oldest was, was young so that I had some mom friends. And it was baffling to me that they weren't in there playing all the time. And they would maybe create arts and crafts kind of activities, or they would do puzzles, sit in color, or most of the time they sat together, but would be just observing. They wouldn't really be in the play. And I cannot tell you enough how important it is and how much your children will love it and how much more connected and attuned they will feel that you are with them, then if you hop in and start to play with them. And when I'm talking about this, I'm actually talking about child-directed or child-centered play. So there is nothing wrong with setting up a craft activity. Granted, it's like 30 minutes of setup and you like, you know, looked at Pinterest and got all the things and you cut things out and you're so excited and ready. And then it lasts about five minutes. And then you have to clean up for 20 minutes. 
And if you think about that, the only time you're actually with the child is that five to 10 minutes. And it may not be what they wanted to do. There might have been specific rules about this craft. Like you have to glue it this way for it to work or whatever it might be. And so it may not be exactly what they want or what they would direct. Again, nothing wrong with it at all. And if we look at what these kiddos need and what I see in the play therapy room when I'm working with children who have experienced domestic violence in the home is that they have very little power or control over anything in their life. And they feel really powerless a lot of times. And so when you're playing with them, if you allow them to lead and direct the play and choose what you do, you are giving them that power. You are giving them control in a place that they can actually have control. They may narrate what you do. So you may not get to do any improvisation at all. Okay. So that's my youngest child. When we do imaginary play, I do not get to choose really anything. He chooses my character, my voices, even what I say. If I say something, you know, that he doesn't want me to say, he will correct it and I have to redo it. But he is very directive in his play. My oldest really allowed for some improv, which honestly was a little bit more fun for me because I got to use my imagination too. But what it did for both of them is just give them a sense of power over that, you know, 30 minutes of playtime. And so that is another reason why this is so incredibly helpful and powerful for these kids. And so I wanted to give you some examples of how to do this. Because if you weren't played with that way as a child, or you've been really critiqued by your abusive partner about how horrible of a parent you are, and, you know, your children are running wild and or their focus is really on their academic development only, it makes sense that you would feel uncomfortable doing this play. But I can't tell you how important it is for these kids. So rule number one, or I guess tip number one, is you have to give up your worry about looking like a complete idiot. So like, I'm not asking you to do this at a business meeting, right? You're not going to be using weird voices and doing things in a place where important people are walking by. You're doing this in your home or at the park or something like that. So it is wonderful. It is completely okay to look like a complete idiot. Doesn't matter. And so kind of give that up that you're going to be look weird, or feel silly or stupid. Your kids will love it. So while you're playing with your child, you're going to follow their lead. If you are a lot taller or bigger than your child, you can get down on their level on on your knees, or Somehow so that you're kind of eye to eye with them, that helps with your attunement to what they're experiencing. And again, kind of helps them with that um, power and control dynamic that, you know, we're giving them a little bit of control during this playtime. And as they play, you're going to, again, follow their lead. They may tell you what to do or not, but you can use these techniques that are actually from parent-child interactional therapy, PCIT, which I actually don't do and I'm not fully trained in. 
but their pride skills are easy to follow. They're very helpful for parents to use, and it gives a lot of direction. So these skills are actually a lot of what we do as a play therapist in the session with our kids, with our child clients. And so it's actually nothing you can't do with them at home. So these are pride skills, and I'll put um, links to um, PCIT in the show notes just so you can read more about it if you'd like to. But the first one is the P of pride, and that's praise. And so as they're playing, you can praise them for things that they're doing. And if we praise them for things that are behaviors we'd like to continue seeing, then that will help them and model for them, oh, these are good behaviors. I will do these more than if they're not noticed. So, wow, thank you for playing so gently with that toy. Something like that so that they, you know, notice for their praise, but then it's also like, I really like what you're doing. You know, that toy is fragile. There's a lot of pieces to that toy and you're playing so gently. That can really help them. Or if maybe you're outside and they're running around on the playground or something and they do this jump and they look at you because they want your attention so badly and you say, wow, you jumped so high. And you might even start to reflect what you see, which we're going to go into next because reflect is the R of pride. So, wow, you jumped so high. You have the hugest smile on your face. So we're reflecting what we're seeing. Some other, you know, reflections are just almost like narrations of their play. You know, they, they built a tower and they crashed the tower. And so you would say, wow, you built such a high tower and then you crashed it. And what this is going to do, it might seem like silly, like, well, they were there, right? Like they saw it too. They saw they crashed it too. But what this is doing by narrating what they're doing and reflecting back what you see is that you are 100% engaged with them. I have been the parent at some point where I'm on my phone and my child's like, mom, did you see, you know, me do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm." I don't know what they just said because I wasn't paying any attention. We've all been there. But when we're really focused on building connection, phones go away and we are showing them we are fully present with them in that moment. Okay, moving on. So that was reflect. Then the I is imitate. So it could be something as easy if they're like a little person and they're driving their cars or maybe they're driving a train and they say, choo-choo. And then guess what? You're driving your train next to theirs and you say, choo-choo. Again, we're showing them like, I see you. I hear you. I'm with you. You can also imitate just by kind of noticing what they're doing. Maybe you're building blocks or Legos and it's like, oh, I like how you built your tower with all one color. I'm going to build my tower with all one color, right? So you're mirroring like you did something amazing and are worth value. And I'm going to imitate what you do. Okay, the D is describe the behaviors. So this is similar to the reflecting, but, you know, it could be something as easy as like you just jumped off the swing, 
or it could go a little bit deeper into a behavior and maybe how they felt about that behavior. So they are coloring. Maybe that was their choice. They're drawing something coloring. They sit back and then they crinkle up their paper and look really angry. We're going to notice as opposed to like, no, no, don't crinkle your paper. That was so beautiful because that's not where they're at. They're mad. They're so disappointed in what they just did. Maybe they, they ruined a picture they thought, you know, was turning out great. And then they did something they didn't like it. So we're not going to judge what they did. We're just going to notice and describe, wow, you crinkled up that piece of paper. I wonder if, or it seems like you're pretty angry about what happened, or it didn't turn out like you hoped. Something like that, where you're just describing what has happened. You're observing and describing. If you feel comfortable guessing their feeling because their face is crinkled or they're crying, you can notice that too. Wow, it must feel so disappointing. I can tell by the tears in your eyes. And believe me, if you're wrong, kids will tell you. So if it's not disappointing and they're angry, they will likely say like, no, I'm super mad or something like that. And guess what? Great, because then you got what the feeling was. Wonderful, right? You're just connecting and attuning to them. We can be wrong as parents. We're wrong all the time. And then the last one of the pride techniques is enjoy and enthusiasm, both ease. So if you're sitting with your kiddo and you're acting bored or like, wow, yep, cool tower, like really monotone, it will not feel the same. So even if you are annoyed because guess what? They wanted you to dress the baby doll over and over in the exact same way. All you're doing is dressing and undressing this baby doll. You can still find something that you can share with them enthusiastically. Like you love this baby doll and I love seeing you play. I really enjoy playing with you. I enjoy being here with you, right? Even if you're like, oh my dear Lord, like how many times do we have to do this exact same thing? And oftentimes when kids are doing the same thing over and over, it's because they're building mastery or in the play therapy room, we often see repetitive play as they're working through some form of, doesn't have to be trauma, but they're working through something. And they are, they're gaining mastery of the skill. So if you're like bored, if you can reframe it to yourself of my child is gaining mastery, then that can also help shift that thinking, shift how you're working with your kiddo. So I do want to share some things to avoid in this play. As much as possible, you're going to avoid questions because then it, it, it the it moves from being child-directed and child-centered to parent-directed and parent-centered. And so it can be just changing the inflection in your voice. Okay, this is really hard. Even as a play therapist, sometimes I find myself wanting to ask a lot of questions because I'm curious. And if I'm really focused on that child-centered play, I try not to. So even with the inflection of my voice, so maybe an example, they're playing with puppets or something in my play therapy room. And I could say, the owl is sad, 
right? I might be completely wrong. The owl might not be sad. But again, they're going to tell me. But if I asked it as a question, it might be, that owl is sad and I just have inflection going up. But as much as you can, limit your questions. And if you really are curious, you can say, wow, I'm really curious about dot, dot, dot. I'm really curious about how the owl is feeling. Then they get to choose to answer you or not, or to bring it up or not, but that's not even really a question. So I'm wondering about, or I'm really curious about, can maybe get you some information without asking a question. Um, We're going to avoid right and wrong with play, right? It's play. As long as they are keeping themselves safe, you safe, their environment safe, we're going to let them do the thing. They want to color the tree purple. They're going to color the tree purple and there's nothing wrong with a purple tree. If they are playing camping, but they play something completely random and, you know, talk about, you know, the mountains, but they're in, I don't know, Kansas where there's no mountains. So what? Right? Like it doesn't matter at all, at all. And we're really going to try and avoid any critical statements because again, there's no right and wrong in their play. And so if you are like, okay, Sybil, I hear you. And that sounds exhausting. I already do not have any energy. You do not have to do this for hours. You can do it for short little bits of time and let them know ahead of time. So they're, they're prepared that this is not going to be an hour long play session. Like, Hey, kiddo, I've got the next 10 minutes that I thought we could play whatever you wanted to play, right? That's 10 minutes that you can be engaged. And if you really are past the point and you are so exhausted, giving them some choice, but an alternative way, like maybe you only have the energy to snuggle with them watching a movie, then the choice that they may have is what movie they're watching. Or you could do, you know, I, you know, do you want to snuggle and watch a movie? You get to choose a movie. And do you want goldfish or do you want popcorn? Right? So we're still going to give them some power and they will feel connected to you as long as you are actually present with them. So you're sitting, you're snuggling with them as you're watching the movie. Sometimes that's all we've got as parents. We're exhausted. Right. And so if you're dealing with court and other things like that, or being a single parent for the first time, and you've just got so much on your plate, be realistic with yourself, still give your child these opportunities in 10 minutes, or in a way that you can be with them and connect with them without using as much energy. And if you're still not completely sold on imaginary play, I promise you that the best problem solvers use a lot of an imaginary play. That's where children learn to solve problems is during their play. So when I see kids that really struggle with huge emotions and they just can't see other options to whatever is causing them distress, a lot of times they really struggle with imaginary play. And so it's really helpful to start getting them involved in imaginary play as much as possible. They will learn 
to solve their problems that way. And dear Lord, isn't that what we want for our, our kiddos is for them to be resilient and be confident that they can solve whatever problem comes their way. That's what I want for, for my kids for sure. And so I am interested to hear from you all about how do you play? How do your kids play? Do you feel like a complete idiot when you're playing, right? How could you have fun playing? I think it's really, really an amazing way to, again, connect with your child and build their resilience. So if you want to share with me, I'd love to hear it. You can shoot me an email and share it. Comment on any of the posts on social about this episode. Uh, Reach out in a DM. Doesn't matter. I'm really interested in your experience with play. And if you try it out with your kid, I would love to hear how that goes. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rising Beyond podcast. And I'll catch you on the next one. If you're healing from relationship abuse and are looking for support and sisterhood during this journey, I'd love to invite you to the Rising Beyond community where you will get expert guidance, connection with others going through similar experiences, and a safe place where you'll always feel seen, heard, and believed. To learn more and to join, go to www.risingbeyondpc.com. We'd love to be a part of your healing journey.